0: What's up, Fathom fam? We are so glad you're here. Just want to give you a quick reminder about our Church Center app where you can stay up to date on all of our messages, events, and groups. You can also find us on YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook. And while you're there, just make sure to also request to join our Fathom Family Facebook group. We hope to see you there. But for now, we're going to jump right into the message.
1: I love the Word of God. I do. And I sense how you are growing in your love for the Word of God. And I hear from so many of you so often, like, hey pastor, we're, we're, we're not getting tired of it. Those of you that are tired of it, thank you for not hurting my feelings and saying, no man, that's like three people that keep telling you that every weekend. Um, but no, I'm thankful for the Word of God. And we're going to dive in uh, to this third part of this series we've been in called uh, Faithful in Babylon. And as we've, uh, over the past couple of weeks, we've been looking at the life of of Joseph in the latter parts of Genesis and how God sustained Joseph to carry forward uh, his purpose leading up to Jesus as Andrew uh, preached uh, last week and so uh, today we're actually like hitting the fast forward button about 1200 years about 1200 years into the life of Daniel we're going to get to Daniel chapter uh, 1 and we'll look at two a little bit today and as we're uh, looking at this I just want you to know Daniel kind of is broken up into two kind of clean breaks like the first six chapters is really wrapped around daniel and his life and these three friends of him uh, his that we'll look at here in a moment and just how god sustained them and how god showed up in their life and even their faithfulness in the midst of literal babylon ancient babylon and then the second half of that is really centered around the dreams of daniel these incredible dreams vivid dreams major prophetic dreams in world history, global history, and of course with a Christian history, and it all leads up to the person and the kingdom, person of Jesus and the kingdom that shall never end. So uh, we're going to dive into this uh, message today called Thriving in Babylon. I was looking at this word, th- the word thrive, and when we think about it, uh, uh, Andrew was talking about kind of I made it, Mom, but I, I wanted to, to highlight this because one of my favorite scriptures is, um, is, is around Paul, and he said, Paul says, he says, look, even as my body is wasting away, even as my body is weary as my mind is tired, as I'm a little bit exhausted of this world physically and mentally and sometimes even spiritually. What Paul actually says is that even while that's taking place, my spirit is being renewed day by day. And that's an encouragement to me and I think it speaks to what's going on even in the life of Daniel that we can thrive in Babylon because really to thrive really means to grow It means to develop. It it means that we can prosper and flourish well, even in the midst of our Babylon Uh, today, a a world that's unbelieving, that's kind of going their own way. We can still thrive spiritually. We can be faithful to God, and we're going to see how in Daniel's life, God shows up and proves himself as Dan, Daniel continues to put God first. Uh, so let's dive right in here um, Let's to uh, Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. We're going to read, uh, I don't know, I'll read eight or nine verses, and then, and then we'll see where we go. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah... Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem to, and besieged it. So we're about 605 BC for history buffs. About 605 BC. Uh, we know that Nebuchadnezzar actually did this on the way back from going to take Egypt. So Egypt, we've been there. So Nebuchadnezzar is now coming and, and he goes and he besieges Egypt, takes over a, a lot of their empire. And on his way back, he's like, here's this little, this little people group in his mind. Israel, this, and Judah in particular, the tribe of Judah. And he says, let's just go ahead and take them too. And so it, they begin to exile the people. They begin to deport. And there's really th- a series of three deportations. The first one, Daniel's on. The second one, Ezekiel's on. And the third one, in 586 BC, they destroy Jerusalem. It's like, this city's done. Everybody's gone. And, and it goes into the season in the wilderness once again. And so the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah. This is one of the tribes of Israel, the, the, the chosen uh, line of, uh, of Jesus, of Judah, into his hand. God delivered him. And along with some of the articles from the temple of God, these he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia. And he put in the treasure house of his God. Uh, then the king uh, ordered uh, Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites. And, Uh, from the royal family and the nobility. Young men, without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, qualified to serve in the king's palace. He's bringing them in to serve as eunuchs to the king. And he was to teach them the language and the literature. He was to brainwash them. He was to indoctrinate them with Babylonian culture. And the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table and they were to be trained for three years, and after that they were to enter the king's service. And among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mashael, Azariah. The chief official gave gave them new names to Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, uh, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel resolve not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Let's stop there, and I want to get right into, if we're going to thrive in in Babylon, I I think there's a number of things, both in in this section here as the chapter moves on, and moving into chapter two that I, I want to speak into your life today. First, if we're going to thrive in in, in Babylon, uh, one, we need to understand that God's ways are not our ways. We need to understand and trust the God whose ways are not the same as ours. Thriving in Babylon means trusting the ways of God, though they're different from the world around us. Uh, When I begin to to think about um, this Babylon, it's actually not too different from the world we live in now. Um, it, it was a place that was um, particularly, uh, I'd even say Jacksonville, because there's a lot of religion. There was actually this ethical idealism that, hey, we're just going gonna to be good people. But they had no foresight to to eternity, to anything beyond this world. But oftentimes we find ourselves trusting in our own thoughts and in our own mentality. And we see right here... It doesn't make sense to us if we just read it at, just at first glance. Like, Why did God give His people over to... I mean, Did you, that, you catch that? Why did God do this? Well, as we look at, at the prophet Isaiah, he tells us why. It's because they were, worship, they were uh, worshiping idols. They were caught up in idolatry. Uh, uh, idolatry, not adultery. They were caught up in I- uh, idolatry, um, and they didn't honor God in the Sabbath. So essentially... They say, hey, God, I know that we're not supposed to have any other idols, but we're going to do it anyway. They said, they, they know better than God. They said, hey, I know I'm supposed to take a day off here and honor you and trust you, but ah, it won't really matter. They just begin to go their own way. And I love what Isaiah says in Isaiah 55. He says, this, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he's near Look at what verse 7 says here uh, in Isaiah chapter 55. It says, Let the wicked forsake their ways and let the unrighteous their thoughts. Right? We understand that God's ways are not our ways. Let them turn to the Lord and He will have mercy on them and to our God he, for He will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways than yours and my thoughts than your thoughts. And so, you have just got to settle in, and this this to the, this idea. Of what does it look like for me to actually forsake my thoughts? A lot of us, when we say yes to Jesus, we're like, "Yes, I want to not go to hell. I want to go to heaven," right? And then we're like, "Yes, I'll, I'll try to live better." And what we actually end up doing in that is we do the ethical idealism of Babylon, not the gospel of Jesus Christ, where it says, "No, I actually, forsake my own thoughts." I actually forsake my own ways because, frankly, if you've lived in this world for very long, you've tried them, and they haven't worked out as good as we think they do. And even if they work out for a short and temporary period of time, they don't work out forever. They don't work with eternity. And so it's forsaking our ways and trusting the ways of God. And Daniel had to do that as he's being carried off. He's deported right into the heart of Babylon, and he becomes a slave in the king's service. And I just want to ask you, do you trust your ways and your thoughts more than your own? The the word forsake literally means to relinquish, to let go. Come on, isn't it kind of hard to let go? Like, I I remember this one exercise I did one time where I had a a rock, a, a small rock in my hand, and I squeezed it and, um, and the leader said, hey, just squeeze onto that for as long as you can, right? And I, I squeezed on it for like three minutes. That, that was it, three minutes. And he said, okay, now open your hand. And I went, mm. I, like, I literally almost had to go like this to like pry my hand open. And for some of us, forsaking our thoughts and relinquishing our own ways feels like that because we've been hanging on for a very long time. And so spiritually praying, God, would you help me Would you help me just let go of my thoughts and my ways that I may understand and trust in the God whose ways are not my ways? That's what we need to understand, and that's what Daniel, I believe, understood that set up his ability to thrive in Babylon. Uh, The second thing I, I want you to hear today is that thriving in Babylon is gonna require us for our identity to go deeper in Christ. Our identity is gonna have to go to be more deeply rooted In Christ. Uh, What we see in the the story of of Daniel here in in chapter one is that they did what? They began to teach them the literature and the language. They began to indoctrinate them with the culture. And actually, as you look later in chapter one, uh, God was not afraid of that. He actually gave them great wisdom and insight into the culture. And I think this is really important if we're going to have an effective witness in the world. It's not saying, I don't want anything to do with that world. Well, yeah, we're, we're not to be of that world, but we are actually sent to be a light in that world. right? We're, we're, we're called to, and I think if we'll, uh, we'll uh, allow God, he's actually going to give us a lens and clarity so that when we're taking in media and content and commercials that are trying to indoctrinate us, God's going to actually give us wisdom. He's going to give us clarity about how the enemy is attempting to indoctrinate, how, how Babylon, our Babylon, is really trying to, to, to to kind of get us into the culture of the world. I mean, we also see this most uh, um, most clearly not in just the language and the literature, but in their names. The, did you catch that? They they begin to call them by other names. And I just want to throw this up. Here's their Babylonian names: Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Those names had meaning. They meant something. Each one of those, God is my judge. Yahweh is gracious. Who is what God is? Yahweh is my helper. I mean, come on, there's there's a punch in each one of those names that when you forget who you are, you're reminded that you're God's, that you belong to God, that, that his identity is on your life. But how many times is that challenged in our world today? Maybe you grew up in an ungodly home where God was made fun of. Maybe, maybe you did the religious thing in your home growing up, but you know, it was just kind of at a distance. And, and, and actually, if you're really honest, you, your, church, your family went to church, but you were more like the world than you were like the chosen family of God. And we can, throughout our life, we can have these moments. And maybe it was when you went to college and And right, you you went to a college where they just kind of indoctrinate you in some things, and you begin to have another mentality, and maybe your name, your identity kind of got blurry for a little bit. It got challenged, who you really are, and certainly we have to go through seasons when that's challenged, because it, it requires our identity to actually go deeper, to be deeply rooted in Jesus Christ. That's the point here. And I I love the passage that Paul says in Colossians chapter 2. Look look what Paul says in Colossians chapter 2. He he says this. um, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as the Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. And here's, I I want to highlight not only the rooted and planted going deeper and deeper, He says this in verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive by hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, the ways of Babylon, rather than on Christ. And we need to be discerning because, look, the pressure is going to come on for your identity to match up with a certain political party to line up with uh, what you think would be acceptable in the world, what you think um, would be PC, like whatever, that, that pressure is going to come on. And, and Daniel navigates this so well, and he resolves in his heart not to defile himself before the Lord. We've got to have a conviction in our life um, that, that I'm going to go deeper and deeper in Christ. Have you ever found like in your walk with the Lord that, I don't know, like I, I go through a season and man, I learn so much about who I am in Christ and, and I just shake off some things of the past and then like a year later, it seems like it happens in a year, every year or two, and then I find myself in another one of those seasons and I'm like, God, didn't I learn this already? You, you ever been there like, didn't I already kind of come through my anxiety issues? Didn't I come through my rejection issues? Didn't I come through my lust issues? God, didn't I find my identity in you and not my stuff? And then like another season comes on, we find ourselves tested and tempted once again. You ever find that? I found that many times. Um, I found that particularly with, um, in my life over rejection since the time I was a young boy, and and I I feel like for a a long time, we went through a very difficult time in our first year and a half planting the church, and so many people left our church in the first year and a half. It was straight up Gideon revival. It was amazing. I mean, people were just leaving. It felt like left and right, and every person that would say, hey, can we have a meeting with you, pastor? I just knew it was coming. My heart just sank. I became fearful of rejection, and and, and so I often talk about... um, I needed grief counseling after that first year of ministry. And so for years and years, I felt like uh, someone would talk to me, and I was like, oh, it's like PTSD, it's going to happen again. And it really kept me from all that God had for me in my relationships with the body in loving. Because what, what I began to find is like my identity is not, in like frankly, whether you're at this church or not. It's not whether you applaud me or not. It's not whether you amen my sermons or tell me I did a good job. It's not there. Can I be prone to, to wander into that? Yeah, just like anybody. But I've had to learn that lesson over and over again. My identity is in Jesus Christ. And I don't know what, what thing you've had to learn over and over again, but thriving in Babylon is going to require going deeper and deeper and deeper and to cast off what the, the, the world, what Babylon tries to say about who you are, to be able to filter the language and the literature of the world so that we may be faithful to Jesus Christ. So next, I, I would say what's so important if we're going to thrive in Babylon is we've got to guard our hearts. We've got to guard our hearts. It takes purity of heart, and um, it's never been easy to guard our heart, not in any generation, but Lord knows it's difficult in this generation. I was talking with someone the other day who was just struggling with their relationship with social media. Come on, anybody struggle with your relationship with social media? They were struggling with this, and I, and I said, hey, uh, I, th- I think you, 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 it would be good for you to just, just step away from it for a period of time. It's not, it's not healthy in your life right now. Our, our brains are not actually built at, you know, at, at this stage or whatever. God, God is not to process so many emotions and, and, and images and words. Like, we're, our brains can't. I mean, we're just scrolling in thousands and thousands of images every day. And so many of them are charged so emotionally in our life. Because of past, because of trauma, because of political ideology, because of fear and anxiety about the future, because of righteous indignation. Like it's charged. And so I just want to call us, maybe even in these next couple weeks in prayer, like just, just breathe that we may hear the voice of God, step away from all the noise so that we can guard our heart from being defiled for the world. Because if they're defiled, if we become just as jaded and bigger, bitter and angry as the rest of the world, what good are we to it? What good is the salt? If it loses its saltiness, Jesus said. And some of us need to get honest today and say, I've lost my saltiness. Daniel said, we're, we're, not, gonna, we're not gonna defile ourselves with this stuff. Hey, there, there, there's a lot of commentary around why Daniel said this. And why they chose not to partake in the food and the wine of the king? Um, there's a lot. I mean, hey, was it they're offering pork and that was forbidden under the law? Yeah, probably. But wine was, you know, acceptable. Um, was it that the the wine was offered to uh, their idols? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, we don't really know. But here's what we do know: it, is Daniel said, "Hey, I'm not just going to go with the flow of the custom and the culture. We're different." We're different. You see, when we say yes to Jesus, something spiritually happens, justification, that we've been justified, not by our own righteousness, but by the work of Jesus. And at that very moment, as we have been justified, we are perfect in the eyes of the Father through the blood of Jesus. Come on, can we praise God for a second for that? Thankful for salvation. And then that exact moment, you know what begins to happen? Is, is, is the ongoing work of salvation called sanctification that begins to happen, and that never ends. We continue to be refined, and God saves us until the day that we are in eternity. It's an ongoing work of salvation. Uh, It's not just, hey, I'm out of hell, sweet. No, it's this ongoing work that God is continually working in our life, but we've got to guard our hearts because the enemy, the world, would love to stop that. The enemy of our soul would love to, to infiltrate in our heart to become hard I mean, this is Israel, God's chosen people, and they were idol worshiping. You say, well, I don't have any idols. Do you not, really? What do you love more than God? What do you serve more than God? What do you refuse to give God that he's asked for? Do we not? So Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything flows from it. Father, church, guard your heart. If we're going to thrive in Babylon, we got to resolve not to defile ourselves with the customs of this world, but be faithful to who God has called us to be. My dad taught me some really good lessons. I have an amazing father. You've been able to meet him and, and preached here. He taught me some great lessons. As I was, some, I, I know I look out at some of our high schoolers and our, our teenagers, some of our young adults, and some of our adults who just haven't ever learned this lesson. Uh, And it was for me, when I got my first job, my dad said, hey, son, they're going to try to get you to work every Sunday. They're going to try to get you to work on Wednesday nights. And you got to tell them on day one, no, that's God's time. It's all God's time. Y'all know that. But it's the time to gather with the body of Christ. It's devoted to the gathering. Hebrews chapter 10 says, don't forsake that gathering. And so I, I did that. And you know what? Bosses tried to challenge it. They said, hey, they put me on schedule. I said, hey, boss, hey, you know, we had this conversation. I'm not going to do it. And that's exactly what Daniel does with his, his boss at the time. He says, hey, uh, with all due respect, I, we're not going to eat the food and the wine. We're not going to do it. Um, and in and, and the way he did that, he didn't just be like, hey, forget you. We're not doing it. He wasn't a jerk about it. And actually, I think that opened up the door for his, his boss to be, show compassion on him. he he wasn't just trying to run him over, he's like, hey, this is legit, we're we're just going to eat vegetables and water, test us over 10 days, and over those 10 days, they came back, and they were like top gun, they were like straight up top gun on all these chosen young men, God gave them not only insight into the culture, but in the language, and they just excelled physically, they felt amazing, come on, you cut all that junk out of your life, you start feeling good, how about that, Come on, that, that was a mess. That's the message for somebody in this room. Maybe that's my message. I don't know. Uh, maybe that's one for me. So after 10 days, uh, God, they're, they're just they're rising to the top of the class. Um, last couple things here. Nebuch- Nebuchadnezzar, remember King Nebuchadnezzar, they're in Babylon. Um, he begins to have these dreams, and they torment him. Like they begin to really mess with his head. And he like can't get away from it. And so at this time, there's astrologers and magicians, and there's all these soothsayers who just like have the wisdom from the gods. And there's all this, this world, they've got all kinds of gods, right? There's one big guy. Hey, um, Maddie, can you scroll down to the bottom of that presentation? I've got this picture. I want to show you guys this. I think this is helpful to just think about. This is just kind of a, a, a recreation of an ancient Babylonian ziggurat, which is like this massive temple. This is the middle of Babylon. And this is, is um, a, a temple that, that actually, whatever, I forget the name of the, the, the actual temple, but it's dedicated to, uh, the, to, to Marduk, who is like the god of the gods, like of Babylon, for the city of Babylon. And it really means foundation of heavens and the earth. This is the foundation of the heavens and the earth. This temple, and so when we talk about this temple, this was to Marduk in ancient Babylon. So they, they were a worshiping people. They just worshiped a lot of things that was, that was not Yahweh God. They worshiped all all kinds of things and this ethical idealism. But again, that's against the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we end Daniel chapter 1, and it says that Daniel served in Babylon for 66 years. 66 years of working for the man, corporate America. (laughs) Except way worse. He got thrown into a, a den of lions. And there, there's, a lot, there's a lot going on here. And Nebuchadnezzar is tortured by these dreams. And so he says, hey, y'all better tell me, all you magicians, you better tell me what this means or I'm going to kill you. Like he's like, he'll do it. You better, I'm going to kill you. And uh, Daniel gets word of this. And all these guys are like, hey, if you'll, hey, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, why don't you tell us? what your dream was, and we'll tell you what it means. And he's like, no, you tell me what my dream was and what it means. And, uh, and so Daniel hears about this. He goes and tells his friends, and he says to them, hey guys, guys, we need to pray for the mercy of God. Because like our end is near. We're, we're going to the stake with all these other magicians. And so let's pray and ask that God would reveal this. And that's exactly what God does. God God reveals this dream and what it means. And we're going to get into that in our next couple of weeks because it's significant. I think we're actually going to go there next week. And some of us, we're, we're in a season of pressure right now. And we really, I think, no matter when we live in Babylon, it's going to be, yeah, I'm trusting God, his ways are not mine. But then when it comes on to a situation where it's like intense. Lives are at stake, my family, my marriage, like my job. Like there's a lot of things that are at stake here, and we can feel those pressures. Daniel's example here to cry out for the mercy and wisdom of God. We can't, we can't survive, let alone thrive, without the mercy and wisdom of God through these trying circumstances and the pressures of Babylon. James 1, verse 5 says if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you, right? We've got to be humble enough to say, God, I need you. We, we, we've got to forsake our own thoughts, saying, God, I got an idea about what to do here, but will you guide me to what is right? Would you reveal to me your path? I'm going to forsake, I'm going to relinquish my own ideas here as I go deeper in you. I trust you with my life. I don't know, but I just sense for some of us, like there's some... There's some pressure-packed decisions that are going to impact our, our lives in significant ways, are going to impact our families, our marriages, significant ways. We need to pray for wisdom about what God has for us and where He is leading us. So if we, we jump over to Daniel chapter 2, verse 17 and 18, God reveals like I said, he reveals this, and then we get just right after that. God reveals it to them, and you know what Daniel does? He just begins to worship and praise God. He's not like, hey guys, look what I did. Hey, I just had this, I, he didn't say, I just had this great idea the other night, you know. And I just think it's really going to help us all. No, no, here's what he said. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power, are his. He changes times, he changes seasons. He deposes kings and he raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells in him. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. You've given me wisdom. You've given me power. You've made known to me what we asked of you. You've made known to us this dream for the king. See, thriving in Babylon, it should result in praise to God. And so if you find yourself today thriving, if you find yourself barely surviving, know that the creator of the universe just says ask. Just know if you feel the pressures of the outside world as a young teenager, a mom, looking at Instagram too much. Or dad trying to put food on the table and just there's not enough at the end of the month. Just know God's faithful. He gives wisdom and his power is his. Or maybe maybe this is one of those seasons I feel like I'm learning that lesson all again deeper and deeper. What do we do with all this? What do we do? Oh, man, we turn it back to praise. Turn it back to praise. I, I remember the passage in, in Luke where Jesus is talking and he says, look, if I tell you If they keep quiet, if my people keep quiet and don't praise him, don't give him what he's due, the stones are going to cry out. And right now, I want you to stand with me, just in holy reverence, not to me or this, but to God who's wise and loving and kind. And he's brought his mercy. He's near He's near. So if you feel comfortable, maybe just open up your hands and say, God, would you look would You look into my heart today? I'm just, just right here. Just do this with me. I got my hands open. It's just a sign of saying, God, I'm, I'm listening. I'm open. I'm hearing, God, what you are speaking to me, not what a man is speaking to me, uh, what you are speaking through your word and through your spirit. God, would you affirm it and confirm it today in our heart? when the word is preached over us, we always have an option of what we're going to do with it. We can ignore it and be like, yeah, I heard that message, but I like my thoughts. I I, I read that scripture, but I like my ways. I don't want to let go. God, would you help us let go of our timeline, of our ways? Let us go. Let go of our idols. Father, let us Let us come to you humbly, repenting. God, break our hearts for what breaks yours. Lead us back to your heart, Father, in this 30 days of prayer, right in the middle of it, God, may may we be a people found, hungry for your presence, hungry for your will and your way, God. God, and as you provide, as you take us deeper and deeper, may it all result back in praise to you, God. Light in the darkness. Would you shine brightly in your people? Would you shine brightly through your people today? God, we turn it all back to you. Come on, can we just do that in this place? Just make this place a house of praise. Jesus came in once and he turned the tables over. He said, you've turned this into a den of robbers, of thieves. You've made it about yourself and what you can gain and not my glory and not my praise and not my worship. And so let's not let the Karaks cry out in our place, God call you worthy, you are first, you are only, none
0: besides you. We worship you today. Thanks for listening in today. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus, we want to celebrate with you. To connect with us about what your next step with Jesus might be, or even if you need help figuring that out, you can text the keyword FATHOM to 97000 anytime and follow the prompts. You can also go ahead and type in the search bar of your podcast app, Fathom Beyond Sunday, and there you'll find our new podcast. You'll be able to listen in on some really great conversations, just taking the truth of God's word from our Sunday sermon a step further, talking about how we can apply these truths to our everyday lives between Monday and Saturday, not just on Sunday. We love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you'll tune in again soon.